Tonight's reading is Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. Oldie but goodie. The shepherds and the angels. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom with he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But... Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I've been enjoying uh, this Advent season, reflecting on the hope of the gospel with you. And I was thinking this afternoon, kind of when this came about, this idea that maybe we'd spend some time thinking about Hope this Advent. And it happened in September, August, um, something that happened with Jeanette and Sean. And I asked for her if I could share this. Um, It was the time when there was the big rally in uh, Charlottesville. And then Confederate 28 said they were going to have a... uh, a similar rally in Knoxville. We didn't know really at that time how many would come, if this was a growing movement. And, and uh, I had the honor of, uh, of officiating at their wedding um, five years ago, and they had been planning a magnificent five-year celebration downtown. They loved downtown. They'd booked the Oliver many months in advance and were just looking forward to a weekend of festivity. And a couple of days before, um, when all this was swirling around in the media and uh, Jeanetta just called and said, do you, do you think it's safe for us to spend the weekend downtown? And I said, no, don't. And, and I know that was discouraging to them, but it I, I just really bothered me. I just remember thinking, I cannot believe that a black woman and her husband can't come downtown and spend the weekend. Are we making no progress at all? And you may recall that uh, in my preaching, I think there uh, some despair crept in. Um, and a couple of you were kind enough to gently pull me aside and encourage me and just remind me to step back and take a fresh look at the hope of the gospel. And uh, so that's 
that was the genesis of this service. And so we've been, we've been looking at different Christmas stories a little different way. We've been asking, how does God bring hope to the characters in these Christmas stories? And tonight we're going to look at these shepherds. I love the description. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Now, the background, of course, is Jerusalem is where it's all happening. That's where all the people with degrees and diplomas and robes and pensions work. That's where Herod is. Now, a little four miles away uh, in Bethlehem, baby Jesus, Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha, maybe Martha was there, I don't know, but Mary and Jesus, (laughs) Mary and Joseph were with Jesus. Okay. And then further out, out in the field, there were the shepherds. So these are the guys that are way outside of everything. These are the guys nobody cares about. It's the lowest rung in the economic ladder. When I, I had the opportunity of studying in Israel for a summer, we went out to the Judean wilderness, and a, a little shepherd boy came by, and, and uh, he, he was selling hats. And I bought one. I was looking for it this afternoon, but I think I gave it to my son. Why was he selling hats? Because you can't make it just watching sheep. <laughs> it's a really, really hard life. So these are the people who are vulnerable. They are without power. Nobody listens to them. They have no voice. And it's easy, isn't it, to to feel hopeless when you don't feel like anybody listens to you. And that can happen when you're poor, and it can happen when you're at the peak of power. It can happen for a lot of reasons. But there's a certain kind of hopelessness that comes when you just feel kind of vulnerable, alone, and that your voice doesn't matter, that... Nobody really cares what you think anymore. So, uh, God obviously loves these, probably, men, and uh, he brings them hope. What does he do? He sends an angel. Now, the Greek word for angel, angelos, just means messenger. And if you look it up, it can either mean human messenger or uh, divine messenger. In this case, of course, it's an angelic being. And the angel shares a message of hope. What does he share? He starts off, he says, fear not. And then he says, I bring you good news. Now, that's a Greek phrase. Well, I won't even try it because um, I'd probably butcher it anyway. It's a Greek phrase that was used whenever a new Roman emperor was announced. A herald, a messenger, would stand up and say, good news, using this word. Very common political world. Then the angel says, in the city of David. Now, Herod wasn't using that term uh, at the time. Uh, it was the city of Herod. There has been born a Savior. Now, the Caesars called themselves Saviors. Who is Christ the Lord? The Caesars called themselves the Lord. So what is the angel doing in this this little kind of encouraging word? Is he subverting everything that reality says is important? He's saying, I know your circumstances. I know politically they're rough. You've got a leader that's probably not very kind to you. Economically, you're rough. You're on the bottom of the pole there. Nobody listens to you. You're powerless. You're vulnerable. But guess what? Something is going on in the world that you cannot see. Your circumstances may make it look like he's in charge and everything's going downhill. Guess what? God has a different plan. God is at work in and around and through you bringing about salvation to the world. So really what the angel is doing is bringing the ministry of encouragement 
to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. God is at work in ways you can't fully see. He's giving them a new vision for what God is doing. He's calling them to a new way of seeing the world. Now, it's interesting, as somebody was sharing with me earlier, that he envied the angels and the shepherds because, I mean, God really spoke so clearly in those days, and we don't get that anymore, right? <laughs> Wrong. This is the old covenant, folks. Uh, in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. And so actually, we have a closer communion with God through the Holy Spirit than even the shepherds and the angels did. So I think angels are still uh, active today. You read a little bit about them in the rest of the New Testament. But I think what God's primary way in the rest of the New Covenant is, you're the messenger. God sends you to bring encouragement and hope to people who feel powerless and like nobody cares what they have to say. Scripture talks about the ministry of encouragement for the... <laughs> I'm sorry. First Thessalonians 5. You say that five times fast and see if you don't trip over it. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Acts 15, 32. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. How do the shepherds find hope in a hopeless time? God sends them a messenger to encourage them. To give them a fresh vision, to reframe their circumstances, to at least the way they saw their circumstances, to help them see what God was doing, to to help them understand the bigger story that was going on. And that is what the ministry of encouragement does. We're not talking about just namby-pamby platitudes here. We're talking about speaking into a brother or sister's life, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and calling forth a vision, helping them see in a new way, calling out a new hope and a new future. And brothers and sisters, I can't think of a time in the history of my life when we needed it more. This is a time for the ministry of encouragement. This is a time when somebody who knows you well and has walked with you well can speak a word into your heart that just releases joy and hope and and vision. So needed right now. You know who needs it especially is a weenies like me because I can kill about any good thing. I was at a great football game once, 100,000 people, and all of a sudden I thought, they'll all be dead in a century. <laughs> How's that a buzzkill for a football game? <laughs> and then I saw them all skeletons. I thought, you know, everybody else is cheering them on. So Sandy and I have been married 34 years today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and because today's a, a work day, uh, we, we celebrated Friday night. And it was just so, so, so sweet. One of the greatest gifts of my life is this lovely woman here in the 
relationship that we've had. It's just been, you know, most of those 34 years have been really good, right? <laughs> we've had our, had our bumps. And we'd gone out to eat, and we're just sharing, talking about the kids and just how good life was. And then, then this thought comes into my head, and I'm, I'm learning, I shouldn't always say what comes in my head. Um, and I thought, 34, we're probably not going to get 34 more. <laughs> How's that for romance, huh? It just, it just, it just went, no. And I seriously, I thought, this is so beautiful and so tender, and I'm so thankful we're probably over half done. Which is probably true. And so I'm thinking, just at that moment, a little dark shadow appeared and was about to take me down. And Sandy says, let's not go there. Let's be thankful for what we've had in every day that we have left. Let's just be thankful for what God is doing in and through us. And the little black cloud went away. See, that's what encouragement will do. Encouragement can breathe life and hope and vision and inspire. Well, I think it's interesting, too, um, that the text says that an angel of the Lord brought this message, a messenger of the Lord. There are messengers that are not from the Lord, and they don't bring hope. This morning I got a text from a, a, of a friend and they were praying for the service and the sermon and they said, I had a dream last night and I think it might be for the church tonight and, and they shared it with me and the dream was this and I asked for permission to share it. The dream was this. Uh, she had a vision of a uh, very rocky, craggy, barren island you know, where there's very little foliage. You know, uh, no way anything could grow on it. Yet this magnificent oak was emerging out of this rocky island and just flourishing miraculously. And then someone came onto the island and told the oak tree, you know, you can't really flourish on an island like this. The soil's too bad. And the tree died. And I wrote her back and I said, uh, what do you think that means? And she said, I, I think whenever someone comes into your life and they don't really know God's call in your life, they don't really know the kind of soil that you're meant to grow in, they don't really know your calling, but they speak into your life and they tell you that it'll never work, that the vision that you have is not from God, that you're, you don't look like everybody else. You don't look like what everybody said a godly woman's supposed to look like or a godly man's supposed to look like or a single's supposed to look like or an old white guy's a pastor's supposed to look like. You die. Would you be careful who you let speak into your life? 
you know, I, I just worry sometimes about how porous our verbal boundaries are because everything flows into us now. Be careful who's speaking into your life. And maybe even start to ask the question after you're with them, either online or for coffee. Do I feel more hopeful or more in despair? Now, you can't cut everybody out, but I'm just saying, if your life is overwhelmed with messengers who are not bringing hope into your life, who are not inspiring you to hope, but who are dragging you down, you need to rearrange that, because that'll kill you in the long run. And please, don't allow someone who doesn't know you, who hasn't walked with you, who's not in the spirit with you, to tell you you can't grow a tree in that rock. If the shepherds had had that kind of counsel, we'd be bowling tonight. So be careful who you who you listen to. Well, the shepherds don't understand much about this word. They probably were illiterate. I don't really know what they understood at all, other other than that this angel had come into their life and told them that God was saving the world. I think that's significant too. Because you don't always have to understand everything about a word like this. When we begin practicing the ministry of encouragement and sitting with each other and calling out gifting and, and inspiring and casting vision, you don't have to know where it's all going. They certainly didn't. But sometimes God will send signs to authenticate that you're not nuts. And let's be honest, sometimes I think about what was the morning after the angelic... <laughs> You know, they're sitting around the fire and, you know, Bim and Bab says, uh, you know, I just, did anybody see? <laughs> you know, yeah, I did, I did, you did too, I'm not crazy. Oh, it's hard to know whether it's the Lord or not. And it's so easy to just dismiss it. So sometimes when God brings a word of hope into your life and starts to reframe your vision and call out your voice and and inspire you and encourage you and tell you to keep putting roots into the rock, sometimes he'll give signs like he does here. He gives a, a, a baby and then a, a raucous praise in the heavens. Um, so look for divine coincidences. You know, maybe scriptures, maybe things that come up in prayer. You know, I, I don't want to wear this out, but a big theme for me this Advent has been trying to learn how to Meet God without all the commentaries. I've bored you with the details of that. Well, the, the latest detail is, you know, I've been kind of questioning that, kind of struggling. So I'm sitting in my study and I have a vision. I don't normally have visions, but I, I had a vision of four of my seminary professors with rifles standing on each corner of my study. Ready to shoot me if I made a mistake. I loved my seminary. I thank God for my seminary. Those were godly men, but I think I've turned them into idols. And I think God was showing me how much in bondage I am to not making a mistake. So when God starts to speak, look for signs. 
Look for divine coincidences from him. Um, Now, when God sends a messenger to share a word with you, like the the shepherds, you need to respond. Let, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. There's some kind of response when God starts to encourage you and quicken your spirit and call you and stir you up. There's some kind of a response. And by the way, I think listening to myself talk the last three weeks, you could hear me say, it'll be something new and it's a new direction and a new vision and you'll start a new thing. Most of the time, not. Most of the time, it's about being faithful in the old thing in a new way. And a lot of times, the great journey is the inward one. (laughs) Because there's a few out here that are going to start some great adventure. The rest of us are trying to be very faithful with the one we've been assigned. That's an important distinction. Yeah. So don't feel guilty or feel like, well, here, I'm trying to care for my kids and my parents and and Doug keeps talking about these angels and these stars and these new things, and my life just is <clears throat> no faithfulness in what we are, but in a new way. That's where we need hope, right? We need hope when it gets boring. It's kind of easy when it's exciting and new and fresh. I mean, I love those ads for the seminaries, you know, where they've got the kids coming out and they've got their Bible and their, their pictures. I have these magazines and they're just all pumped up and excited about the ministry. And I think, oh, beloved, <laughs> let me talk to you in about 20 years. That's where we need hope. But you've got to respond in some way. And the hard thing about responding, as we said last week, Normally, the Lord doesn't just tell you to do the same thing or at least believe the same way. Usually, he's calling you in a change, even within the path that you're on. And that's scary and it's hard. Now, here's a dirty little secret. Some of you know it. I don't quite know how to describe it. I just want to call it out. Sometimes, it's easier to stay hopeless. I've been there. I don't know why. That doesn't make sense. Nobody wants to live without a hope, but there's just something sweet about despair. It can be an old, old friend. And you know, I also notice the older I get, the easier it is to want to tell the angel to go talk to the young shepherd two hills over because his back doesn't hurt. And he hasn't been hurt as much. And he's probably smarter than me anyway. And brothers and sisters, I think that's when you start to die. When you start to say no to the angel. To me, there is nothing more spiritually attractive than an older saint who is filled with hope who is hearing fresh words from the community that they're in and is stepping out, following God. I could give so many examples, but I think of Dan Holbrook tonight. Just served his last board meeting, second tour. And he's just ready to take the next hill. Filled with hope. Filled with hope. Plastic surgery. Go ahead. 
I don't think it makes you any more beautiful. You know what makes you beautiful? Courage and hope. That's a beautiful older saying. We're getting near the end here. When the shepherds show up at the door, these are probably kind of rough characters, probably scared Mary and Joseph to death. They burst in, we saw this angel. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now remember, Mary's on her own journey, right? She's young. She's had an angel come to her, talk to her. She will have wise men show up at the door. She'll have a guy named Simeon prophesied to her. And she's trying to piece all of this together to figure out her calling, her journey. And so the reason why God encourages the shepherds is partly so that they can go and encourage her. And if the shepherds had said, no, thank you, my sheep will roam, Mary would have missed out on an important piece. So there's there's like a divine cause and effect here. One of the reasons we need to encourage each other is because when you're encouraged, and literally the word encourage, it inspires courage. When you are inspired to follow God in a fresh way by the way a brother or sister speaks into your life, the reason is because probably you're going to go speak into somebody else's life. So you need to respond. Well, finally, a great ending. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, it's a beautiful ending. Nothing about their circumstances have changed. Herod's still the king. Shepherds still have no health insurance. Sheep smell like sheep. But they're changed. Because their hearts now are connected with what God is doing in and around and through them. And that's where the hope comes from. Uh, Janetta called me back and she said, you know, you, you never, I didn't get a chance to tell you how the story ended. And I thought, she told me, I thought, wow, so I'll tell you. So they didn't uh, come downtown that weekend. They wound up going out to a a place out in the mountains. And they were a little nervous about it. You might imagine they were kind of rattled by what happened here and not really knowing how an interracial couple would be received out in certain parts. And they pull in and they're warmly greeted by the, the host and the waiter and had a wonderful evening. And as Sean, you know, as they as they pull out the you know the, the bill. The waiter comes and says, um, it's paid for. Somebody who had gone through a similar experience picked it up for. Little things we need to look for for hope. Here's your assignment. I want you to find one person this week to encourage. Let's pray. Let's pray.